artist's duty, as far as I'm concerned, is to reflect the times. But I choose to reflect the times and the situations in which I find myself. That, to me, is my duty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Documentary Talk. This is Dom Payne. This is episode three. And this week we'll be talking about the documentary, What Happened, Miss Simone. So the director of What Happened, Miss Simone is Liz Garbus. The documentary is about Nina Simone. She was known for a uh, free, uninhibited musical expression as well as a lifestyle. A musical genius, a singer and pianist classically trained who wound up doing blues and jazz and creating some really great music. having a very interesting life of ups and downs and suffering mental illness near the end of her life. She eventually became involved in the civil rights movement and created musical expressions around civil rights issues. I was looking at this film and I was thinking about the uh, incredible talent she had and yet coming out of an era and a time and a situation in her life, in her home life, in her environment, that had to be incredibly stressful due to racism and the issues of the country when racism was more prevalent. And I thought early on in the film that, wow, someone like this would have to experience trauma mentally and obviously physically, but mentally and emotionally that would lead to some issues that this person would have to deal with for the rest of their life. Sure enough, as the film went on, that became an issue for Nina Simone. Now, she was, as a young child, a pianist, musician in her church, obviously must have been talented because some Caucasian women heard her playing and decided she should get lessons. One of them was a pianist teacher. So she took her under her wing, began to train her and teach her piano, all classical. So we're talking Bach, all of that stuff. So she was trained classically on all classical music and became a really, really great pianist. This woman also put up a fund for her so that she can continue her studies at a musical school and she went to Juilliard. However, the money ran out at some point. She then applied for a scholarship, which that didn't work out due to racism. She was denied the scholarship. 
as the film pointed out. And then she had to work. So she eventually found work in a bar uh, playing piano. And that's when she first started singing because the owner of the establishment said, if you don't sing, you're fired because we need someone to sing as well. And she began singing, which is interesting because that might have led to her unique style of singing, which was very different from other singers of her time. And it had a, an aspect to it that was reminding me of freestyle rap somewhat. She very much tapped into emotional side of herself when she sang and let that come out in her expression. So her singing, in a way, was very freeform and improvisational and very interesting. And her voice was also very interesting. And she did a lot of different kinds of music. Her musical style was also unique, partly due to her classical training background, combined with her expressionistic style, experimentational uh, efforts while she was playing and her entry into the genres of blues and jazz. Put that all together and you had a very unique and dynamic performer, singer, pianist, musician. There were a lot of autobiographical tapes involved in the film as well as entries from her diary and interviews. So what we saw was an artist that was brilliant, but struggling underneath with depression and feelings of alienation from society, partly due to race, partly also due to the fact that I believe she was training on piano since she was four and spent all that time separated from other children. And she was, so she was alone a lot. And as she grew up, she had to support her family. So she was working a lot without much social life or social contact. And then when she did meet the man who was later to become her manager, then her husband, he worked her nonstop. So she was very much just working, 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 performing, performing, working, working for the majority of her life and not really connecting with people per se. Probably until the 1960s when she got involved in the civil rights movement. Then she began to separate somewhat from her husband and to perform civil rights activism music, if that can be considered a genre. She wrote some very interesting songs that deal with civil rights of her times. Uh, Mississippi Goddamn, that was a very controversial song at the time and probably continues to be so. So she then began to interact socially with an expanded circle of activists and really develop and expand her, her social justice consciousness and really got passionate about that, got involved in, in some ways, maybe over-involved, really went into things 110% and felt strongly that a change needed to be made to help the plight of the African-Americans and by whatever means necessary was her conclusion. She even mentioned that if she had not been a pianist, singer, musician, that she might have taken up arms and been involved in the civil rights movement in a militant aspect. Thank you. 
Compared to the other documentaries that we've viewed so far, this one was it was focused on an individual where the um, other two documentaries, 13th was obviously focused on the 13th Amendment and its broad impact socially, and Rubble Kings was focused on the Bronx entirely, and then how the gangs in the Bronx during the 1970s led to a movement which eventually laid down the foundations for hip-hop. Both were very interesting documentaries, well worth a watch, as well as this documentary. Again, this one focused on the individual, on Nina Simone, her artistry, her struggles with her artistic identity and her personal identity, and eventually her wanting to expand into activism, social justice, civil rights, and define herself against the pressures that she was faced with as being a great artist for sure, but also an artist that was a vehicle for many people's success. And not always was it that her own success in her artistry was satisfying to her as a person. Because I think what you kind of get to understand over the course of the documentary is that she never entirely had an opportunity to develop the sense of who she really was. Until, I believe, the um, 1960s civil rights era, when I think she really identified a lot with that movement for a many number of reasons. One was her own experience and, and her own knowledge and awareness of racism in the country and around her, and also her own anger and hurt and pain from her life, not just because of race, but because of the abuse that she suffered from the pressures that she was put under from her husband and those around her, and just the limits of her choices, which she was faced with since her childhood. She mentioned at one point that when she went to work, when she had to go to work, she had no idea she had another choice but to do as she did. Things that she did do, obviously she had this great talent, so they made sense for her to be a singer, musician. But those things that she did do, she did without questioning whether she had other choices. Or if there were other choices, they were very limited and she was aware of that. There wasn't a lot of possibilities for her as an African-American, as a woman. Though over the course of the documentary, you do come to also understand that she was a very strong person, fought back a lot, though the cost psychologically to her was great, eventually probably contributing to her mental decline and issues, though she did have a recovery of sorts and it seemed that her life ended well with most of her faculties and performing. Towards the latter part of her life, she left her husband, eventually went to Africa, really enjoyed her life there, but without a lot of structure around her. She was not performing and I believe she was already having issues of mental stability in her career, as her husband pointed out, and as she herself said, she was struggling with the pressures of performing, the abuse, her husband, that relationship was very, was a rocky relationship. It had a lot of violence involved, a lot of control, and also passion. So there was this mix going on, and she's, and also the fact that he was apparently a very savvy and 
opportunistic manager that really helped her career take off, but at the same time, keep her working constantly to keep it going, to keep that money coming in as well, which also took its toll on her. Again, so she loved him and stayed with him for quite a long time, but there was a lot of abuse and a lot of control going on. So eventually she left and went to Africa. The mental health issues were still there, but she was enjoying her life there. It was very, it seemed very wild and free, let's say. And when her daughter eventually joined her in Africa, her daughter said she wasn't around a lot. She would come and go. And when she would be at home, she herself was abusive to her daughter. She became abusive, though she was a good mother when she was small. But that might have had something to do with her mental decline. So her daughter left after a year or so to go back to the United States and live with her dad. And Nina Simone eventually goes to Europe. And Europe, things for her took a turn for the worse. She either wasn't known, I wasn't clear on this, or wasn't respected, or just looked at as a has-been, or perhaps just without management and people around her to give her leverage, didn't know how to negotiate for a livelihood or for the type of livelihood that she had previously as this huge star. So after a time, she was actually performing in small clubs for like $200, $300 a night, doing anything she could to make ends meet. She was very impoverished at the time. Friends that finally found her, found her looking like a very impoverished street person in rags, living in a very dirty little apartment. And mentally, she was really not well. So friends of her took her in, cleaned her up, and had her seen by a good doctor who diagnosed her with bipolar disorder. So at that point, she was prescribed medication to help her mentally. Her friends helped her get her career on track, putting her in venues that paid well and and helped her recapture some of the livelihood she had when she was younger and, and performing for crowds who had the appreciation of her artistry. And she did much better after that and appeared to have maintained that until her death in 2003. My takeaway from the documentary was that with the amazing talent that she had and the perseverance to go through what she went through and survive, the toll that racism takes and the toll that loneliness takes and isolation takes and the toll that abuse takes and the toll that being misunderstood takes on a person is something that despite someone's toughness, someone's perseverance, is going to damage a person very much, maybe eventually leading to mental decline. Though she might have suffered mental illness anyhow, the things that she went through in her life no doubt contributed to her mental illness, contributed to the issues that she had in her life struggling to survive or struggling to find happiness. So that was a great takeaway from this, this context that society and the things that we, that we need to correct, the things 
that we need to fix. The social ills that still affect us all, racism, discrimination, our society's penchant for isolationism of the individual, these things are very detrimental to a person. And as much as someone might shine bright with their talent and as a star, the interior person is still suffering immensely. And we probably don't notice it because of their talent, because of their contribution to our entertainment, or even their contribution to social awareness through their artistry. We probably don't pay enough attention to that individual and their psychological, emotional, physiological well-being. There's no doubt we don't. And people suffer for it. The good thing about the documentary is that she had friends who did help her in the end. But without those few friends, the story might have definitely ended as a complete tragedy. And in many ways, it still was. Yes, she was an incredible singer, pianist, musician. She was brilliant. She was a genius. But she was also a human. And we care more about the genius. We care more about the brilliance. We care more about the artistry than we do the human. But one doesn't come without the other. And ultimately, it's the human that is the most important. We as a society still need to identify the human side of a person, no matter their talent, no matter their brilliance, no matter their genius. We need to identify the human side as the most important and take care of that, nurture that, look to make sure that their human side is cared for, is nurtured, is supported, is appreciated. As much as we, yes, appreciate a person's talent, yes, appreciate a person's brilliance, yes, appreciate a person's genius, we have to always, in the end, appreciate a person's humanity. Or else... Far too many times, instead of a story like the story of Nina Simone, which had its tragedy but ultimately seemed to end on a positive note, all too many times there are many more people whose life doesn't end on that high note and instead is a tragedy, but perhaps they don't have enough talent or enough genius or enough brilliance for us to know about them or to care about it. And even those who do have those gifts, oftentimes, we don't care enough. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody, and I look forward to you all joining me for the next podcast, Documentary Talk. If you have any suggestions, as I've mentioned before, or comments, or criticisms, or critique, or anything... You can email us at docutalkpodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at docutalkpodcast, or you can visit our blog, documentarytalkpodcast.wordpress.com, and check out our Instagram, documentarytalk. Mm-hmm.